Hey listeners, it's Frank here with another throwback episode. This is from our very first year um, of doing this in 2015. I don't have the exact date, but I do know it was in December of 2015. So it was, it was roughly about eight years ago when we published this. Unfortunately, I didn't have the Facebook page um, up and going when this episode released originally. And I've we've we changed uh, hosting sites a couple times during the process of the old podcast, so I don't have access to the original date exactly. But I do know it was in 2015, and it was our first uh, Christmas episode that we did. This is on. This is a John hates what you love, a nightmare before Christmas. Now, John hates what you love. We did a series of these uh, episodes where John would essentially give kind of a deeper criticism of the topic matter and basically talk about his problems with it and why he felt it could be better. Sometimes he earnestly doesn't like the theme, but he still sees the appeal and and feels that if things were changed in specific ways, they could be better. Other times he does like the theme, but still feels that it, it you can use some criticism. And in this case, he, he does like a nightmare before Christmas quite a bit. Um, and for those of you who are wondering, well, why didn't you do, you do this around Halloween? Well, uh, partly because we didn't start recording until around Halloween, but secondly, because we both feel that this is more of a Christmas film than a Halloween film. It's a, it's a nice film that it can, it kind of bridged the gap. You can watch it in both times of year and, uh, still get a lot out of it. Um, I will apologize grossly apologize for the audio quality. Uh, I've done what I can to clean it up a little bit. Um, our mic setup was even worse when we recorded this than, w- than we recorded our last throwback episode on Kubo. And it's pretty rough. I have cleaned it up, and hopefully you guys can get some benefit out of it, listening to it. And that was a little Luffy barking. Um, I, this is like the fourth time I've recorded this, but this is the quietest he's been. So I'm going to go with it. So, yeah. So without further ado, John Hates What You Love, A Nightmare Before Christmas. So anyway, <laughs> this episode, we're going to discuss the Christmas movie, The Nightmare Before Christmas. We'll talk a little bit about the history of this Halloween film, then discuss why John feels it's a Christmas you. movie, I will and you. not a Halloween Knives. film. Knives made of fire. So without further ado, let's jump into the discussion. It's not really a discussion. It's me telling you the way it is. Well, let's talk a little bit about the history of the film. Okay, we're talking about history. It, it actually originates. Tim Burton grew up in California, uh, and all of this is freely available on the internet if you want to uh, fact check. As are most things. Yes, <laughs> some of them legally. Um, uh, Tim Burton lived in uh, Southern California, where there's not a lot of degradation between. Uh, not degradation. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Interloping? No. Interactions? You're absolutely no help. Um, (laughs) I really am not. I am no help. I am intentionally no help. 
Um, 70% no help. There's not a gradation. That's what I'm like. Not degradation, which is something entirely different. There's not a lot of gradation between the seasons down there. Yeah. <laughs> it gets a little cooler in the in the winter and fall time, but there's not uh, yeah. typically a huge distinction between fall and winter. And It's not like in Utah where it is um, uh, Helheim and then and then uh, uh hell and it just alternates between the norse hell and the and the uh the christian hell and it just sort of alter oscillates between the two extremes yes uh so he was disturbed as a young young person uh when they'd start putting christmas decorations up uh right before halloween <laughs> i myself am disturbed by that as well I'm not disturbed. I'm just angry. Well, I'm an angry as well. Um, but if they're out before Thanksgiving, I am like livid. They, uh, but that inspired him to write a poem uh, aptly called "The Nightmare Before Christmas." And basically, the poem follows the basic plot of the movie. Jack, the Pumpkin King, is bored with doing Halloween stuff. He ends up in Christmas Town, has Santa Claus kidnapped. Um, he then takes over Christmas, uh, the, and the only way he knows how, and uh, and Santa and it goes horribly wrong. Santa ends up uh, coming coming to the rescue at the end, but uh, it ends on a high note. You know, the the last bit is that then he jumped in his sleigh and with a wink of an eye he said Merry Christmas and then he bid them goodbye. Back home, Jack was sad, but then, like a dream, Santa brought Christmas to the land of Halloween. So, it ends on a happy note. Arguably. Arguably. Well, you know, for people who like Christmas, it's happy. That's fair. For people who like Christmas and Halloween, I think it's happy. Um, Maybe? I don't know. Seems like it's furthering the whole point of him, like, having Christmas occur in Halloween Town kind of like the whole point like oh i'm annoyed that 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 christmas is invading halloween and so at the end of my poem i'm gonna have christmas invade halloween but it's happy this time well sorry he has control over the narrative right there that's the thing it's true it's already happened you think of it that way so he may as well he may as well spin it on in a positive light uh from my understanding he wrote the poem while he was working uh as an animator for disney back in the 80s early 80s uh he wanted to actually make it uh, a TV special, kind of like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or Frosty the Snowman. Yeah. Uh, he'd, yeah. he'd approached a few uh, studios, uh, the TV studios with that intent, but they were he was turned down and eventually got Disney to, uh, to uh, give the okay to do it as a full-on movie not a very very short movie but a full-on film mm-hmm. um the disney kind of balked at the release because he did feel that they they felt that it was a little too dark for their animation studios at the time so they released it under touchstone mm-hmm. pictures instead which is a just disney's uh way of releasing films that were more adult um but it's odd to think of that as more adult. Well, more scary, I guess. I don't know. Eh, that's fair. Um, 
Tim Burton couldn't direct it, though. He had intended to direct it, but at the time he was tied up with uh, Batman Returns. Mm, um, yeah. And so he got Harry Sesnick to direct it. Now, Harry Sesnick is not an incredibly prolific director, but he has he directs... Most of his stuff's been stop motion. Uh, he directed Nightmare Before Christmas, James and the Giant Peach, and uh, Coraline. Uh, and a few other films, but those are the big ones that... I think everybody would recognize. Yeah. They're great films. They are all fantastic. Now, I have a, I have a special love of... I have a special love for stop-motion animation. I don't know what it is. I just, it's just kind of magical. Have you seen Box Trolls? Uh, yeah, we saw it in the, I saw it in the theater. I love that movie. Oh, that's great. Um, oh, we should do a podcast on it. I'm down. I'm down. We'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that later. Um, okay. <laughs> The the film was released, uh, I believe, the 29th of October, 1993. So a few days before Halloween in 1993. It uh, has kind of become a classic uh, since its release. It's one of those films that is sort of ingrained in popular culture to the point where there's a few of the songs that every, almost everyone would recognize, even, uh, yeah. you know... Teenagers and younger kids, and because they become so desensitized to violence and in the media, you can show it to little kids now, and they're not bothered by it because it's not scary. Yeah. <laughs> True, not scary in the slightest. But the I, guy with the axe in his head—it's just like, oh look, there's a guy with axe in his head. I was true. that last Halloween," said the five-year-old. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was. I tell you what, the first time I saw the movie, I was. 16 I think 17 I didn't see it in the movie theater because this is back when I was uh, this is back this is back when I was when back when I was poor instead of now when I'm poor there was a I saw I think at my brother's house and it was I liked the movie instantly liked it um, but at the same time I was like man that's that's kind of a weird film my <laughs> my uh, I think my sister-in-law had rented it uh, thinking it was uh, very a very Christmassy film, uh, meaning that it, you know there wasn't going to be people well, Christmassy by her standards, not Christmassy by like my well, standards. Well, to be fair, to be fair, yes, perhaps. But she she is an individual who loves horror movies and horror novels. Mm. She she very much loves the horror genre. So yeah, she's not like. Uh, Candy canes and and mistletoe and wreaths and yeah. Uh, well, if yeah, if you're if if that there, it's kind of the perfect Christmas movie in, in that regard. Yeah, like if you're kind of that way. But anyway. that that being said, it, it wasn't what people's expectations were. They their expectations yeah. were different at the time. If you think about it, I have since since then uh, saying. And dance to this is Halloween and Halloween productions for uh, theater departments. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I have. Oh, it's a great. It's the, like that. The this is Halloween song is pretty is a pretty fantastic for for Halloween yes. stuff there. Although the the yeah, I'll, we, we can get into it later. But there's a there's some of the lines in that song as as an adult now bother me. Really. We'll, we'll, we'll yeah. talk about it in a bit, but uh, yeah. I find that interesting. 
Um, it's just one. It's just one line in particular, and it's just it's the whole thing. So that's a little bit about the film. Now uh, it's been real released. I think on DVD or and Blu-ray. Disney's sort of taken it back. Um, it's so it's the oh yeah. I think they like they even have it. There's like levels that go into the Nightmare Before that go into Halloween Town in like Kingdom Hearts. Oh yeah, yeah. There like there absolutely is Kingdom Hearts too. Yeah. There's uh, the Halloween Town area. Um, I believe uh, Disney Infinity has. Uh, oh yeah, like uh, yeah, the Pumpkin King, the and Pumpkin King and stuff. There's a Halloween uh, Town levels there. Um, yeah. So yeah, Disney Disney's very much taken the the property. I mean, it, it was under Touchstone, so it's not like someone else owned it. It's just <laughs> Disney released it under them. But Disney's very much it's, it was it was shell gamed. Disney did the shell game on. Yes, like, where it's uh, they they they've brought it back into their embrace. They're like, okay, yeah. we're all right. We're no we're, we're, we're sorry. We we ain't as picky no more. <laughs> we're sorry. We're sorry. We threw you away when you were little. We're sorry we abandoned you when you were young. Here you go. So, as far as our thoughts on the film, uh, I think uh, we both enjoy the movie. Um, it's stop motion. Yeah. First of all, I mean, uh, the, the the aesthetic is fantastic. The sort of world they create is very, um, very, very distinct. Yes. Very real. And, you know, I'm normally not a big fan of musicals and I despise Christmas. Um, I'm just embracing it now. This year in particular, I'm just, I'm not, a, I'm not, Christmas annoys me this year for some reason. Indeed. Um, but, like, if particularly, it, it is my favorite Christmas movie because I can watch it and it reminds me of, like, things that I like and not just how I'm supposed to be happy right now. Yeah. Well, I, I love the film, but as I said, I, I like musicals for one thing, and it's not, one of these almost musicals like James and the Giant Peach and uh, The Corpse Bride yeah. are. Uh, it's one of those, those, those movies, I like them. Their stop motion is, is fantastic. You know, mm -hmm. they're fun movies. But the fact that they didn't just go all in with the music or just pull all out really bothers me. <laughs> Yeah. This movie totally. I actually like it because they have some. Yeah, um, I was going to say this movie wholly embraces it. I mean, it's just a straight out musical. Yeah, it's a proper musical. It is just a proper, proper musical. Even down to kind of being real light on the plot. Um, proper musical. But uh, Danny Elfman, who, who uh, does the singing voice for Jack, Chris Sarandon does the speaking voice. Now, if you don't know who Chris Sarandon is, he plays Prince Humperdinck yeah. in The Princess Bride. The, oh. the guy who who voices who does Jack's speaking voice uh, oh. does Prince Humperdinck in the Princess Princess Bride. Danny Elfman was brought on because apparently Chris Sarandon can't sing, uh, <laughs> and their their voices are similar enough, and they are like it's pretty. I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have known that it was two people. Yeah, it's it's there's. I mean, it is it is distinctly different, but I I wouldn't have thought that my my immediate thought wasn't oh these are two different guys. Well, the the thing is, is the speaking voice and the singing voice match, even though there's some differences there. Uh, they match up really, really, really well. But yeah, he plays Prince Umperdink in the Princess Bride. So Jack Skellington, when Jack Skellington speaks, he's the same guy who is the prince, the evil prince uh, in the Princess Bride. Hmm. So there's a little bit of fun trivia for you. Uh, but Chris, Dan, Danny Elfman was a lead singer singer of uh, Oingo Boingo 
which is a, a band from the 80s. Uh, yeah, that's, that some of our listener will, uh, will know rather well. I, well, yeah. It's, I love, I love Oingo Boingo. Uh, I don't think you care for them much, but. Uh, well, it's, it's not, it, they're, it's not that I dislike them. It's just they're not one that I, which listen to. Yeah, no, I, I totally and, get that. He, and it, it, it's, it's a tinnitus thing. It, understand that's that. the only reason I don't care for him. I understand that completely. Uh, he also, Danny Elfman's also done a tremendous amount of soundtracks, of film soundtracks. Oh, yeah. Um, he's primarily worked with, uh, uh, Tim Burton, but, uh, when he got a start, he, he did his stuff with Tim Burton primarily. But, you know, you look at his list now and it's definitely not the case anymore. I mean, Danny Elfman's a very, uh, well known composer. Uh, film composer, yeah. especially if you are into that sort of thing. <clears throat> so there's a little bit about the uh, some of the actors. Catherine O'Hara voiced Shally, Sally, not Shally, Sally. Um, you might know her as the mother from Home Alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm. Paul Rubens uh, voiced Locke of the three children, Lock, Stock, and Barrel. You might know him as Pee Wee Herman, who actually started out as an, a comedian with adult, more adult material. There's a lot of real, like, adult comedians that went into children's entertainment that, for a while. Yes. I digress. We, I, I could talk about this longer, but I'm not going to because uh, I can tell John wants to move on. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I think we both like the film. Um, I do have uh, some issues with some of the voice work in it. Uh, it felt like some of the voice work was being kind of phoned in. Uh, yeah. Catherine O'Hare is a fantastic actress. Sally is a completely flat character for me. I, yeah, I, I kind of I kind of agree with that. Like there there are these little moments that you can see it coming close, but it's just not not all there and there are some of the scenes not all of them but there are a few scenes when um when jack is just kind of not not all there for me yeah um but most of but when he hits it i mean like that i am jack the pumpkin king some of those things some of those things there and some of the um i mean in the songs but also some in some of the other um scenes there yeah is is really fantastic but there's also somewhere it's just kind of, eh, yeah. Are you even trying? No, it, this is is a, it's completely accurate. Um, I, that's the one thing. I think, that's the one reason I think it works so well as a musical because there are those moments, those speaking moments, where it it does fall fall flat. Where it just there's no there's no strong emotion behind the words being spoken. But then it goes into yeah. the music and the singing. And the the performers pull it off uh, very well, and so it oh, yeah. sort of makes up for, for, for it. like particularly in this. I'd say particularly most of the 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 most heartfelt of all of the stuff is in the songs. Yes, like the singing, the singing. I, I see why. I think a lot of the reason why this show has endured so long is just because the music does have a lot going for it. Yeah, like there is a this is a powerful. Um, bit of uh song work yeah absolutely um it's uh, just it's just an att- 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 
a testament to Danny Elfman's uh, songwriting abilities. Um, though I don't know if you would even care to know this, but he doesn't he doesn't orchestrate his uh, his pieces. Yeah, he actually has another person orchestrate him. Uh, Steve Bartek was. Uh, I don't know if they're still partnered together or not, but typically um, Stephen Bartek, who was on in Oingo Boingo with Danny Elfman did a lot of the orchestrations for his film uh, for his film scores so but mm-hmm. uh, Danny himself is the one who write, he writes the melodies and the songs and stuff and the songs are are great I there there's several of them that are just just so damn fun uh, you know Jack uh, what's this Halloween yeah, what's this is great. Halloween song is fantastic. Uh, Kidnap the Sandy um, Claws. That one's an earworm. That one will be stuck in your head for days. Oh yeah, it's been stuck in my head for like for most yeah. of the week this week. I'm yeah. not even gonna lie. Kidnap the Sandy Claws. The question is now: in a recent interview, uh, someone asked Henry yeah. Selick, "What is the Nightmare Before Christmas? Is it a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie?" He answered, "It's a Christmas or it's a Halloween movie." Well, but now, and, and John, more, the subtext of the, the subtext of that was it's a it's a Halloween movie, duh. Well, yeah, he, from what I could yeah, tell, he, he was he didn't. Yeah, he, it was sort of he didn't he didn't really elaborate much on it on his answer. No, he was like, duh, it's Halloween. They're Halloween people, duh. Yeah, like every movie is a white movie because it's full of white people. Yes, <laughs> I got ra- I got racial there. And I know I did. The thing is that I was trying to make an actual point with that. That there is that there is a point there. It's like the it's saying that the kind of people define the film, define what kind of film it is, is kind of offensive and kind of ridiculous. This is true to me. Uh, it is and probably yeah. But I'm I'm I don't know. Personally, uh, on the surface, it, it seems like it would be a Halloween movie. Yes, if you look, if you look at the style of it, stylistically, there is some, there is a a profound Halloween aesthetic to it. Yes, and I will grant you that there is a Halloween aesthetic, but aesthetic is different from theme, and it's different from story. This story is not a story. Is not a story about. Um, it's not a story about Halloween themes. It's about a, it's about the, the pumpkin king discovering Christmas, trying to steal Christmas, and then getting kicked back into his Halloween town place where he goddamn belongs. Yeah. That's the story of the piece. Well, there's a, I mean, there's a little bit more to it at the end than just that though, because, yeah. uh, Santa Claus saves Christmas after he kicks, yeah. and, the pumpkin king learns a valuable lesson about uh, be true to yourself by knowing your goddamn. Well, words. yes, <laughs> not just that. That's the theme of the film, kids. <laughs> know your goddamn place. It's also be true to yourself. Be true to yourself. Be who you really are, but know your place in the in the cold workings of this society. <laughs> be a cog, children. Be a cog. Be a cog. <laughs> Your place is defined by the way you look. Go forth. <laughs> Man, 
Do not deviate. <laughs> Deviations will be destroyed Relevant. by the might of Santa. Relevant to our interest is sponsored by the great all-knowing computer. <laughs> the computer knows what you, who you are, what you are, and what you should be doing. So get back to it. Know your goddamn place. <laughs> And that, that concludes the episode. <laughs> there we go. There's the episode. That's all we had to say about this. Um, <laughs> my, my, my question is, okay, so it has the trappings of the Halloween. It has trappings of Halloween. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> aside from it putting, putting kids back into their place. Uh, why is it a Christmas movie? I mean, is it, is it, it's, well, it's a Christmas movie because thematically everything is about everything from the point that Jack wanders into the forest uh-huh. till the end, till, till the thing ends. It's about how awesome, how, how awesome Christmas is. Fair point. How awesome is Christmas? Christmas is great. Jack, Jack walks in and he sees it and he goes, man, Christmas is awesome. Christmas is so awesome that I should be able to take it over because I want to feel Christmas all the time because I should, because Christmas is the best. And then, oh, I fucked up Christmas because Christmas has to be the same, has to be exactly the same. And yeah, he really fucked it up. I mean, I'm not saying that, that uh, little kids should be given severed heads. Yeah, it depends on where you're at. I Though, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying my, my nephews may be getting severed heads for Christmas, <laughs> but it's between me and Jesus. Um, <laughs> strangely enough. <laughs> <laughs> This is a very, in celebration of Jesus' birth. Here's a severed head. <laughs> here's a severed head. I gave it a crown of thorns because Jesus. Uh, <laughs> I wonder how many people we can offend not offend with this podcast. Oh, oh man, I'm 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 aiming for everyone, <laughs> all of them. It's like you've got the a- world shall wish me burned. Um. Okay, but but so like the, the over the theme, and then Santa, and then Santa, who is willing to for is willing to forgive all the treatment there. Well, not yeah for for some reason because he's Santa, he's willing to forgive it all. Um, and then he just sort of flies off and fixes all of Christmas so that it's the way it should be. Yes. And then what he does is he brings a little bit of Christmas, some snow, to Halloween Town because obviously Halloween Town also needs to know how awesome Christmas is. And I mean, even in even in the songs in the middle, it's Jack trying to say, "This is awesome and amazing, and I can't I can't get across how awesome Christmas is to my friends from Halloween, and so I'll have to compromise it in order to get them to understand." Yeah. But the entire theme of the of the of the show, uh, besides the overarching, you know, know your place, grand computer theme, um, is Christmas is great and the best. Yeah. And then there's everything else. Yeah. That's why it is fundamentally a Christmas film, because if you watch this on 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 Halloween, all you're taking you're not taking away from it. Ooh, this spooky things are fun. You're taking away from man. I can't wait till it's Christmas because that's what Christmas is. Because Christmas is what this is all about. That's a, a very fair point. Uh, <laughs> I want to I want to state uh, where am I where I where I'm employed. They had Christmas decorations up um, about. The week, the week before Halloween, not quite the week before, but uh, 
well, it was Halloween was on a Friday this year. Uh, yeah. They had him, or no, it was on a Saturday this year. They had him up uh, the Tuesday before Halloween, which I found it kind of disconcerting and offensive. Actually, I was pretty angry that they couldn't wait, and just until the next week to put up the Christmas decorations. Um, so, a few of uh, me and a few of my coworkers uh, placed some. Uh, they had they still had Halloween stuff out because obviously Halloween was coming mm. up. So yeah. they had these little skeleton decorations. <laughs> we put a few of them in the Christmas tree <laughs> before Halloween. In fact, they uh, put a, they have this uh, scary talking head that you can get and put on your door as a Halloween decoration. Yeah. They put that in the Christmas tree at one point, like the day before <laughs> Halloween. That's awesome. I agree with you, <laughs> and I don't know if you were expecting no. this or not. I actually do agree that it's it's very much a Christmas film, not really a Halloween film. And I don't even, yeah. you know, people. I've heard people say it's both. I've heard a lot of people make the statement it's both. Yeah, I disagree with that. I don't I, think it no. is. I actually, yeah, it's it. I, I, I will give. I will concede the point that. It has a a wonderful Halloween aesthetic. It does. Has a great Halloween aesthetic, and the "This Is Halloween" song is a great Halloween song. Which, by the way, the line that I mentioned that bothers me is the um, uh, the "But we're not mean" in this town of Halloween. Mm. Like that just that just annoys me because it's the 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 dumbing down of Halloween. Not that I want it all to be, you know, like actually murdering people and severed heads and whatnot, but the, the cutesy, cause it, it's, it's leaving the door open for the cutesy sides. Like the, and, 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 and in Utah, the cutesy side of Halloween is so strong and it, it's ruined it for me. Like it is literally ruined Halloween for me. The cutesiness, the cutesy Halloween, like the, the cute little witches in, in, uh, in pioneer square or wherever it, it has killed Halloween for me to the point that I don't even enjoy it anymore because the cutesy stuff just just saps the just saps all the fun of it from me. No, I don't think where I'm at here in the state, I don't think there's as much cutesy stuff that goes on. There's, I think there's a little bit, but it's not as endemic. Like the the uh, the corn maze, the local corn maze, and the haunted forest and stuff. They 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 try for more. I mean, there a lot of at times jump scares and stuff, but they try to do the whole intense scare thing, not the crazy haunted house shit that they're doing in L.A. and in New York and and those places. But you know, the more traditional uh, style haunted haunted house haunted maze type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're trying. They're going for more more of that. Um, yeah. So I think you get outside to the city center. Uh, Salt Lake yeah, well, and Provo. And there, there is a lot, and there is a lot of the other stuff, but it's just the the cutesy, like the cutesy Halloween. Well, the Halloween stuff that just, I mean, it just it it bothers me. And and the but we're not mean, like but we're not mean. Like you just talked about how like how, pull away faces and spiders and monsters and all these things. They're like, oh yeah, okay, I'm with you, I'm with you. But we're not mean. That that completely negates the scariness of everything you just did 
really. And then you're clapping yourself on the back. Oh, we really scared him now. <laughs> Even though we said that, you know, there was no danger, <laughs> uh, thereby completely negating the entire point of saying we were scary at all. But hey, eh, eh, good job, buddy. Well, you know, they, they want people to come visit. And, and if, if you're a, if you're a sociopath bent on destruction, the best way to get someone to visit is make them think you're not a sociopath. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. It's just like having, yeah. And it, it, it's a minor thing. It's me. It's me looking too much into it. It's me. And I mean, and and we have the insane fan theory portion for me looking at, uh, um, for me to do do more into it. Well, it's I think too way too much th- about this. Stuff, is so. this is uh, this is definitely something that uh, we're gonna. We're, I'm excited to talk about. Not because I have any, because I don't, but uh, because it'll be fun to listen to you talk about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, awesome. I I I agree. I do agree with you, though. I don't think the film can be both. Well, I mean, it depends on the person. It is subjective. It, it, the, the, I don't think the film is both, though. Eh. No, I don't think the film is. And well, and really, like the two. I mean, inside of a person, you can kind of do both. Yeah. But they're distinctly, and the actual themes that they espouse and are and are trying to to work with. Are fundamentally in opposition. Yeah. I mean, fear and the comfort of family, or the um, undying love of Christ. Yeah. Are in direct opposition. Like they just can't exist in the same spot. I mean, it's like, oh, it's really great that we're here as the family, as there's a killer outside. <laughs> See, the one ruins the other. Or like the, look, here comes the monster. Oh, wait, this monster's son and his family. And oh, they're like just sitting around the tree singing songs. Done. Neither one works with the uh, while the other is there. Well, they are innately in, con- in contrast. I would agree with that. But at the same time, I just, I had two cartoons pop up into my head. The one is more relevant than the other, so I'm going to go with it. The South Park Christmas special, uh, I don't know if you've seen it or not, where they go they go into the woods and uh, there's <laughs> all of the animals are trying to prepare for the Christmas celebration, and it turns out that they worship Satan. The Christmas celebration, it turns out they're, they're Satan worshipers. <laughs> and... Uh, and Squirrel's gonna, Squirrely's gonna give birth to the Antichrist. <laughs> that whole episode. Now I really want to watch it. I, I really, really. Uh, Christmas Critters, yeah. Uh, have a, crit- a Critter Christmas. But, uh. Now I kind of want to watch that one too. Uh. But. So good. I, I see your point. Anyway, yeah. it, it, the, the, the two don't really, don't really work together very well. Unless it's being lampooned or, uh, being, being being, being or, or if it or if it's taken or or if it's taken like direct and I think a lot of it is is that if it's taken to that cutesy extreme, basically if you cut the teeth completely out of Halloween, if you declaw it and cut the teeth out and make it really cutesy, then they can exist in the same then you can have, you know, like the the adorable because you can have the adorable witches and Santa Claus in the same like at the same house. Yeah. That would make sense because they're both done in the same sort of crafty way, anyway. But yeah. Well, my question, my question uh, is: Okay, this was in ninety. I do not know how Halloween is treated outside of Utah because I've never been outside the state during yeah. this time period. Uh, that's true. 
like I'm familiar with how some places celebrate and do their other holidays, uh, but I do not know how. And I see you. I guess I should say this region because I think uh, Southern Idaho and Eastern Nevada and Western uh, Western Colorado and Southern Wyoming could all be lumped in there, having similar similar celebrations for Halloween. Um, yeah, and I don't know how the rest of the country does it. I don't know how it's done in like yeah. Maine. Uh, I assume that uh, Stephen King runs around and just scares the shit out of people. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, well, and, and and like I said, there, and it's 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 part of that's from my my experience. But I still think that there that Halloween and Christmas, unless it's in a parody type well, scenario. Really can't work well because of their innate because the innate. I, I'm not, disag- I'm not disagreeing with that. My, the, the, what I'm trying yeah. to get at is uh, the movie itself, and and, and the uh, other films. Harry Selleck, Henry Selleck. God, I have a, such a hard time with this dude's name, and it's not that difficult. Yeah. The, the other films that Henry Selleck. It's okay, it's just because you're a bad uh, have have made. They've always got a little bit of a dark undertone. James and the Giant Peach has a dark undertone. Coraline has a dark undertone. Oh, yeah. There's, there's uh, definitely there. Corpse Bride, well, definitely. Well, Corpse Bride wasn't him. It was actually Tim Burton. Um, oh. Okay. Well, Coraline then. But a lot of that you could you could point out at, at the source material because Coraline is based off a Neil Gaiman story. Uh, yeah. James and the Giant Peach well, and, is Roald Dahl who's crazy dark with his – it was yeah, yeah yeah it was renowned for his dark children um, stories but and inarguably nightmare before christmas is dark i mean there's some pretty dark themes going on in there there it's undercut i agree with you it's completely undercut by the whole christmas theme but my my point is i w- i would love to see a halloween town story told just without without Christmas invading at all. Like I'd like to see an actual Halloween movie set in Halloween. That would that could be fun. I mean, I like the I, I like the characters enough to see what could actually happen. If maybe somebody comes in and starts trying to to steal Halloween or muck that up there, that I'd like to see. Like to see one that's not actually just a Christmas um, movie. I was, but what I'm getting at is, I know you have a problem with the, the whole cutiness thing with Halloween. It, my question is. And if there's a listener who who can verify this one way or the other, please do uh, send us an email or, or comment on you know do let us know. But is is the is the whole cutesiness factor everywhere in the country? Now I get that Halloween is kind of a big children's holiday, especially for candy uh, manufacturers. Yeah. Um, but. My thought is perhaps the cute, the cutiness that that crops up in the film, with you know the, with the lines like "we're not mean," has a lot to yeah. do with the fact that the film is targeting kids. Uh, yeah, I would I would like to yeah. think if it was targeting adults, it would be a little. Uh, it probably wouldn't be stop motion, but a little more intense. <laughs> uh, yeah, a little more intense. Yeah. Probably be a little more intense. You know. Yeah. And uh, I, I want to think that that might be one of the reasons why, if you if you're around a lot of kids, uh, a lot, then that 
is potentially one of the reasons why so many uh, why the cutiness is in, in your face so much. I have that issue myself. Yeah, uh, I deal with kids a lot as as part of my job. I deal with kids a lot, and one of the things that the that the whole but they're not mean does is it really underplays the strength of a lot of kids. I mean, there are a lot, like particularly the little boys that that I work that I work with, and I know, like they get the horror thing. I know more about Five Nights at Freddy's just from their their talks, and that one gets really, really holy shit dark. Like, there's no like there is no kids can handle it if you didn't have that line because that's the only real line in there that sort of implies. You're like, oh, but we're not mean about it. Eh? That guy's got an axe in his head. We're not mean about so, it. It's also, we did it really <laughs> nicely. We sent him a card and everything. Entirely, it's also entirely possible that uh, Danny Elfman just was at a loss for something to rhyme. Did not make it sound could be sound hokey. Could be. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I honestly don't know why. Yeah, but but, but yeah, is it like it's just it's just that that line that line bugs me because it undercuts a lot of the teeth that. Yeah, but that even as a children's movie, that film um, does well with. It has the right amount because there's a right amount of scary. It's not about not being scary or saying, oh, no, no, it's not all real, getting cute with it. It's having that right amount where you can get them a little riled up and not terrified. Yeah. It's that it's that little it's that creeping you know it's that kind of creeping dread it's that like Halloween should be about creepy and not about being scary. It should be about little jump scares. And being creepy, not actual terror. Yeah. yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. That's a fair point. Yeah. One of the other things that that I saw this time as I was uh, talking with uh, some of my friends about it, and as I was watching, because I watched the movie twice this week, so it's really fresh in Indeed. my mind. One, one I actually watched just an hour or so before we did the podcast. Like, so right before the podcast, it's fresh in my mind, and there is. A theme of, and it's one that's like enfolded throughout the entire, uh, the entire film, like to the point that it's this big meta theme of style versus substance and substance being more important. But style versus substance, like Sally yeah. as a character, she looks great on the outside. What is she inside? She's leaves. She's got leaves inside. Um, the guy has the brain, the, uh, the whole, the whole part of the problem with, uh, with Jack's understanding of Christmas is he understands the style of it, the aesthetic of it, but doesn't get the substance, the the substance of it. Um, denying his substance and changing his style is the problem in the film. It's all about, and it's just level after level of there's no, of when there's no substance, it falls apart, but there's all these things about style versus substance there. I mean, like the fact that people see it as a Halloween movie is that's the style of the film. It's a, it's stylistically looks Halloweeny, but substantially it's a Christmas film. Yeah. And that's what it is. Like this entire film, over and over again, you can find all of these little things. Even even the um, the toys that the that the monsters make to give the kids are the right style, but the substance is yeah, corrupt. Yeah, 
Like, and that's, it's all about like the substance is wrong, the style, because you're just going with the style. And there's this, this really strong argument for the meta themes in there. I mean, you could write like some sort of ham fisted paper for a, a lazy professor, um, on this. That's how deep it uh, goes. You know, I mean, that, that's something that you're absolutely correct on. I, something I hadn't, hadn't actually considered before, but you're right. There, there is a, there is a strong, uh, interplay between style and substance in the film. Um, yeah. I mean, like, like I said, even down to like Sally, Sally there, when, when I looked at like that, she's, it's, you don't see, and and part of it's to make her less, less scary or whatever, but inside she's got leaves. She has leaves yeah. stuffed in there. So she's like meat wrapped around yeah. leaves, which, yeah. uh, I think sort of, uh, gives a perfect illustration for the movie itself almost yeah the, the, yeah that there's there's this weird thing of like it, it looks great but the like the themes inside are kind of kind of hollow i mean like i said the, the the best theme that we can find the best moral of this story is be true to yourself by knowing your place and staying in it damn it <laughs> yeah god damn it yeah. know your goddamn place hippie <laughs> fucking goth bastards now let's be get a job let's be fair the, the the film wasn't made for goths it was uh it was a training tool for, them, for their future <laughs> it was a training tool for their future it was like it was a how-to video this was, nightmare before yeah nightmare before christmas was the pandora's box for the goth movement i, I honestly i think they were goths before that i i know people that were goths before that before, uh, were they really goths, or were they proto goths? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Uh, I think they're proto goths. They're proto goths. Goths didn't exist until Nightmare Before Christmas. I'm saying it. Woo! Drop the mic. I don't have a mic to drop, so I'm dropping it. I also didn't have the. I also, oddly enough, didn't have the mic in front of my uh, mouth for that bit, so I don't know how well it's gonna sound. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, we'll find out. I'll, I'll know. <laughs> You the you you the listener know right now how bad that sound, but we don't because you're in the future. Yes, time traveler. So this is true. Uh, you have a few theories about the film. No, I have one more thing that I need to talk oh, about. Yes, and it's one. It's one that is. This is the one that will likely, even more so than some of the other things I've said, will likely upset people the most and make them either very sad or very angry at me for pointing this out. Okay, so here's how it goes: Sally and Jack are like the Romeo and Juliet of a lot of your kind of your your, your goths, your proto goths, your emo your emo folk. Jack and Sally and Jack are like the the couple. Like they're Romeo and Juliet. They're you know, they are oh, they're the gold standard. They're I mean, them and the Adams, them and Morticia uh, Morticia and what's his ass and Gomez well, Adams the, are like the it Morticia, couple. Morticia and Gomez actually have a beautiful relationship, especially if you watch the Oh yeah, no, no, they they do. They do. I I was saying them as like the, the examples for the goth yeah. couples. Uh not that because Sally and Jack not on that same level. No, not at all. Morticia and Gomez? No. Morticia and Gomez, they have arguably 
the best relationship in fiction. Um, the healthiest relationship in fiction. I'd almost, I, I would almost go as far as to say, yeah, that. yeah, they're fantastic. Sally and Jack, less so. Because okay, here's the thing. Let, let, let's go with the Adams family thing for a bit. There, if you were to say swap their genders, if Morticia was the man and Gomez was the woman, would the relationship still seem healthy and beautiful? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Without a question, it would still be, it would still be beautiful. It would still be, it, w- it would still feel like, it would still feel like something amazing. And I will say, without a doubt, if you swapped the genders of Jack and Sally, that it would be creepy and, like, creepy and sexist and, and horrible. Yeah. Because what Sally does is Sally stalks the shit out of Jack. Like, to the point of being like being to the, to the point of doing self-destructive and dangerous things to herself and others in order to spend time with Jack, who doesn't know who the fuck she is. Yeah, that's a, only barely knows. He knows she can sew. That's about it. No, that's the weird. That's the. Only, I was gonna say that's the weird thing. I remember the first time I watched the movie, and uh, in, in my impression of it in general. It seemed like they had a more of a relationship than they actually do. When I watch, when I re- yeah, with adult eyes, they don't I, really have. Yeah, much when at I rewatched all. the movie earlier this week, I was like, "Wow, there's there's really nothing there." <laughs> yeah, there is not. I mean, like I said, it's it's again, it's that style over substance yeah. thing. It's, I mean, but what she does, she does. I mean, she throws herself off the. She throws herself out of the tower to go be with him. She regularly pulls her arms and hands and. And, and legs and stuff off, but it's all for it's all to help Jack or to help Santa, which is really about helping Jack. So, but Sally does all these things and like the the making the making the love draw and leaving this leaving this little love um, gift at his tower and but never showing herself and so on and so forth. And uh, and her whole arc is about getting him to realize how much she loves him and how much she's willing to do for yeah. him. Yeah. Which is, which if she was a dude, then she would be that guy that we make fun of because he can't get over this woman, who doesn't know who's ju- who's just friend zoned her. Yeah. Like he's the guy, he's the white knight who has been friend zoned, who just won't back yeah. off because he thinks if he just does one more nice thing, she'll date him. Like she'll yeah. date him. But because it's the what? Because it's the female. It's this beautiful love yes. story. But really, it's about a stalker who won, who wins at yeah. the end. Well, I have to say this, <laughs> but isn't isn't that what all romantic love is? You just stalk them until uh, until you win. So, yes, I was. That, <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's how love works. This, right? There are other movies with the example where the where the male is the the, ro- the romantic stalker who ends up winning. They're generally uh, uh, police procedural thriller films. <laughs> yeah, police procedural thr- thrillers, and they're usually derided for being sexist and shit. Yes, yes they are. So. You know, but well, but we swapped the gender, and so it's not is not that's not sexist anymore. I mean, it's not healthy at all. Um, and it, but it's that style over substance thing. It's the well, you know, I look I look pretty, but I'm full of leaves. Yeah. 
or like the I'm a scout. Like, and really, like, what exact f- what future do they have as a couple? I mean, <laughs> well, I, I get the impression that they they do not have children are not uh, conceived. Yeah, I the same way I mean, in Halloween you know, world. The that fact that he doesn't have like <laughs> organs, and she also doesn't have organs, but she's got leaves. I mean, and I, I think if I just like, I mean, you know, just the anatomy questions. I have some anatomy questions. Yeah. Like if you have like like these are these are our children and it's a femur with some leaves stapled to it. This is our child. I think uh This is our child what this is our child Johnson. Say hello Johnson. <laughs> oh John everybody I'm your baby <laughs> Please kill me <laughs> Please kill me I'm just a bone in this stable leaves to me Staples hurt. <laughs> There's a little rope and glue there on my feet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it would be my uh, feet had I any limbs. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just a femur. Uh, he replaced me with a two by four. Which is the best of both worlds. Let's <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, anyway, uh, chat about your theories now that we've done that. Oh, my insane, oh, my insane, my insane fan theories that I came up with while watching the, the movie the second time today. Um, Oogie Boogie, cause I was watching Oogie Boogie. I also realized there's, uh, an interesting point. Who is the villain of this film? You know, that's a good question. I, I it's never really clear. I have an, I have an answer. I have a very clear answer. Jack is the villain. Actually, of this I was film. I was actually just going to say that. Prota- I was actually just thinking that. Yeah, he's the protagonist. I mean, he's the protagonist, but he's absolutely yes. the villain. I mean, Oogie Boogie is a plot device kind of like Oogie Boogie is an excuse for a fight scene and a really cool musical number, and that's it. That's all Oogie adds to you the You know the film. funny th- like Oogie doesn't do anything. The thing about Oogie Boogie is even if you want to overlook how little his role actually is, he's he's keeping very true to his nature, which is something that yeah uh, it can't be said of uh, Jack. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Can't be said of Jack. I mean, I mean, well, really, everyone else in the in the show is being true to their nature, and yeah. Jack isn't. I mean, if I were to break it down into one of the, what is it, the four stories that, I think it was George Lucas or Jesus or, I don't know, the, was it, it's man versus nature, man versus man, man versus himself, and man versus society. Yes. The, the four stories. Um, once again, I can't remember who says it, so I'm going to, I'm going uh, to say it's Joseph uh, Campbell? Um, it's, uh, sure, it's, uh, Teddy Ruxpin. Teddy Ruxpin. <laughs> I don't, um, I don't think you and I live in the same reality anymore. <laughs> yeah, but like th- this story is man versus himself. Because all the problems in the film, all, literally all of the problems in the film are, are Jack. Yeah. Jack is the, is the catalyst. He is the creator of the problems. He's the solver of the problems. Everything is just Jack. Well, the, the, the thing that solves the problem, arguably, is the missile. Yeah. <laughs> so it's Jack gets hit with a missile and then goes, oh, that was really fucking stupid. Well, you know, the thing of... <laughs> Maybe I should start undoing this. The whole, the whole this. movie is, a, is an existential film. I mean, the whole 
Oh, problem. Oh, yeah. No, it, it's 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 absolutely it's a musical character study of the skeleton. Uh, you know, the, the whole the whole I mean, the whole problem is Jack has this existential crisis over uh, over his his existence. Well, obviously existence because it's existential over over his role in, in the greater you know yeah the greater world. Well, and over over his happiness, why he's doing this. I mean, you get clear that this is like one of those like proper like why 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 should I keep doing this? Why did yeah. I why? I mean, it was the greatest we've ever done, and who gives a shit? I mean, yeah, no, that's it's a very good point. But you know, you're right. Like if if there's one villain, no, it seems that Oogie Boogie is the bad guy. And if you, well, he's he's they they try really hard to make him the bad he's, guy. They, they never they go they never out of their way to make him a bad. They never guy. develop him though. Yeah, no, he, he it, it never he never becomes the bad guy. It's clear that he is a bad guy. That he's a dick. Yeah. That he is a bag of dicks. Well, he, he's actually a bag of bugs. He is a bag of phallic of of phallic bugs. But here's the thing, though. Every bug that comes out he of him is an asshole. But Oogie Boogie is, is staying true to what he is in the film. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. So uh, he is living the ultimate moral of the story you know stay in your place and do what you're supposed to do uh oogie boogie's yeah. doing that <laughs> and it, but it also confuses the theme because he's punished for this is it. true he is the only one doing what he's supposed the, the only one completely doing what he's supposed to and is then punished for it so i guess the real mor- moral of the story is life has no rules and is terrible yes. kill yourselves <laughs> Just pull that thread and let your bugs drain out. This is the message of the story. Thank you, Disney. Between the uh, existential crisis Jack Jack has, uh, the mixed messages that the movie gives gives the viewer and the very uh, strange um, visual and sound design of the movie – this is a very surreal film. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's a real, it's a really surreal film. Like it's, it's one where like it's great to look at, and it's also one where the more you think about it, the more fucked yeah. up it gets, <laughs> and the more problems occur. Like I ruined the sat, like I mean, I, I sadly ruined the Sally and and Jack relationship for a friend of mine. Yeah. Um, when he was like, like, oh, you. Damn it! You're like I really wish you weren't right, but damn it! He he realized that you are a dick. (laughs) It's true. I will pee on your things, and they will be coated in urine. Yes. And you, read the Bible. Just went ahead. (laughs) Just went ahead and just (laughs) you just peed on it, like. uh, It's true. Not on the Bible. No, you peed on the hopes and dreams of everybody who. uh, Exactly, and that's fine. <laughs> on all the lovers of this film, I peed on their dreams. Of the beautiful relationship that they remember that doesn't actually exist in the film. Well, by the way, fuck. I mean, because I, I remembered it too. I remember that, oh, they're in love and he finally understands. Oh. And I was like, wait. So the crazy stalker bitch <laughs> stalked him enough that he won. Yeah, she, that she won. She stalked him enough. She stalked him the right she, amount. You know, I. But you, you're, <laughs> you know, you're right. I can, I reached that conclusion. Uh, not exactly the same conclusion, but you know, I, I very quickly come to the realization that there's just no substance to their relationship. Why are they even? Uh, 
you know, why are they even trying to get together there here at the end? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it just yeah, it serves. Like, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't really. Like doesn't. the only thing I can think of is like she's it is like nice the song. only. I, I will say, she, is nice she's song, like though. the only female character that that uh, sings a solo. That's the only reason I can think of. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's also the only female character who's arguably hot. This is true. But yeah. we should, she's the only good-looking one. Because there's all those ones at the beginning, and they're like, "Whoa, yeah, take me!" And like, you are really weird looking. Yeah. Like you're a fish, and you're old ladies. And I mean, I know I'm like just bones, so age probably shouldn't be like a defining factor, but still, it holds yeah. for me. Sorry. <laughs> so I'm gonna take the one. That, so I'm gonna take the one that's like maybe jail bait because because the the doctor talks about how young she yeah. is. Like how like she's old enough that you can't take care of yourself. Like I just made well, you a I month just, ago. You know, um, it becomes more disconcerting. <laughs> he never gives a date, but it makes it clear that it's not been that may, long, and she's supposed to be learning how to do this. And apparently, all she does is poison the shit more, out what's, of him. What's more disconcerting Which, is why did the doctor even make her? Because it's it's pretty obvious that he didn't make her because yeah. he want ha, wanted to have a paternal relationship. Uh, with her. <laughs> no, he did not want a paternal relationship. He didn't want a paternal relationship with her, given the next one yeah. he builds, which is, that's not a daughterly relationship. No. Mm-hmm. Know what I mean? Know what, I'm, so, know what I'm saying? Uh, this, uh, we're, uh, if we haven't... Wanted to play a little hide the cerebellum? For you yet, huh? uh, <laughs> give me more time. Give Tom more time. <laughs> he, will, he will work on it. <laughs> which is weird, because I do like this movie, but I also really want to ruin it for people. <laughs> it's, such, it's just a weird... It's the weirdest we should just retile, Like, this is a great movie, and I want you to hate it. What we should it. do is we should... Uh, we should do... Uh, Instead of doing John hates what you love, John ruins your shit. <laughs> I remember before yeah, Christmas. John ruins your shit. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody! By the way, this is our Christmas podcast this year for 2015. Yay, Christmas! <laughs> <laughs> Despite the fact Maybe we're still mired in horror films, we cannot get out of this horror film. Yes. I'm very looking forward to a little time off where we can catch our breath and maybe get away from horror movies for a little while. I, I don't think it's going to, I think all, the, all I'm going to go is I'm just going to go to something weird. Like now I'm just going to go to weird cartoons. Yeah, that's, I'll step away from horror and back into my home, into my home world of weird. That's, that, that's fine. That'll be a different, that'll be different. Anyway, do you want to, yes. are we going to talk about your uh, theory? Oh, my insane <laughs> fan theories. Cause every, cause every movie needs an insane fan theory. Okay. Oogie Boogie is created by the trick-or-treaters. Basically, they just threw bugs at it, and they eventually created and trained Oogie Boogie to be their boss so that they would have someone else to blame for their uh, the horror, the horrible things that they do. Yeah. They're actually th- that there. I'll be honest. And what, I, I'm really okay with that as a theory. Yeah. And, what, and, what's, and, and after the film continues, Oogie's definitely going to be back because they're just going to rebuild yeah. it. They're just gonna get another sack. They're gonna, they, they know how, and that whole bit at the beginning where the way they're treating the bug. Yeah. Like that, that whole like ritual that they had of painting it and doing that there. That's basically them trying to train the bug to become part of Oogie. Mm. You know, that's an, it's an, I kind of like that theory to be honest with you. <laughs> Me too. Me it's, too. It's, yeah. I like that. It's putting more. Like I kind of want to steal it for something and start making. It's it more. It puts more substance into the film than than is actually there with in regards to that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, 
Well, that's what all, every good insane fan, fan theory involve, uh, involves a level of depth that does not exist in the film or in the story or in whatever the hell you're talking about. That's what makes it an insane fan theory. But I, th- and I think we can also just like uh, try and um, finish off with some completely batshit insane theories, like the fact that uh, there, well, there, there's obviously the clown with the tearaway uh, face, Kaiser Sose. <laughs> only logical. There is actually he was Kaiser Sose. Uh, there's actually something that they did want to do in the film. Uh, mm. Initially, they wanted to make Oogie Boogie, and this goes back to your Oogie mm. Boogie theory. Uh, yeah. Dr. Finkelstein, the doctor who makes Sally, in disguise. Tim Burton was... uh, The story is, he got so angry at this. I think it's actually on the commentary. If you have the DVD with the commentary, I think it's... I I don't. I just watched it on Netflix. Well, the listeners, if the listeners have it, they could verify this. But I think it's supposed to be on the commentary. Tim Burton got so angry when they told him that this idea that he kicked a hole in the wall. And... uh, Wow told them no um it's also one of the reasons why there's the movie's never had a sequel tim burton doesn't think it needs one uh he doesn't want them i kind of agree to be totally honest I agree. well you know what it would it would turn really gimmicky really fast i mean uh oh yeah jack's jack skeleton well, and in Eastern what, what do you do like the, this this whole i mean the whole world as much as i said you know like seeing that seeing stories told in that world could be interesting I mean, where do you go? Like, there's not really anywhere to go from there. No, not at all. I mean, maybe do a prequel, but that's become so run-of-the-mill cliche anymore that it's, you know. Well, and they're just lazy at this point. I mean, it's like, it's it's Muppet Babies, but skeletons, because that's how skeletons Well, here's here's the thing. They, I mean, the level, Halloween Town shows up in both uh, Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2. Um. So there's stuff there. No, it's not officially part of the story of Halloween Town, but you get to see, if you play those games, you get to see uh, a little bit more of uh, Jack Skellington and the, the denizens mm. of Halloween Town. And they're fun games anyway, if you like uh, action RPGs with platforming elements. I've never, I've never actually played them. I'd probably love them, but I really dislike Disney. And the idea of like, oh, I'm running around with like Mickey and Daffy, or I don't know what's uh, that. That's Goofy, and Donald, actually. and Goofy. <laughs> I think I got Donald and. I Daffy think it'd be awesome stuff, if it's you know they're both because they're literally just ripoffs of the other one. It's true. They're two talking ducks. Just one of them doesn't. Just one of them. Both, of, both of them with a speech impediment. That's the only day. <laughs> yeah, just slight, yeah, they they are so direct ripoffs of each other. Like no, 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 no. This duck, this duck with a uh, speech impediment uh has a slightly different speech impediment and is black and doesn't wear a shirt. This one just doesn't wear pants. Yeah. <laughs> because fuck pants. That's why. That's right, Daffy. I'm your boy. You're my boy, Daffy. No pants. Any other crazy theories you want to you want to throw out there? <laughs> Oh, uh, another crazy theory. Uh, you never see an adult's face in the entire film. You never see, you, the, they're all either creatures within one uh-huh. of the towns or they are children. You never see adults' well, you face. See Santa Claus. Therefore, you do see Santa Claus. What? Santa Claus, Santa Claus oh. doesn't count. He's one of the creatures from the towns. Oh, okay. He is a creature of, he is a creature of oh, Christmas. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that because at the end. Yeah, but he's not an at adult. The end of the, at the end of the, at the end of the, uh, 
the end of the movie when Jack's giving out the presents, you only ever see either silhouettes or like yep. from the waist. You see down. silhouettes or just covered or yeah. I mean, you see chest shots and leg and legs, but you never actually see an yeah. adult face. So my thought is that it, this the entire universe of the Halloween towns and all those there, even the even the perceptions of like the stuff on the news, is all from a all from the children's but perspective. It could be... The children are the only are the like the children are the only ones that this exi- that these exist too. Yeah, because Santa and the uh, Jack Skellington they only exist within the within the perceptions of children. That uh, that seems like a pretty good theory, actually. I like that. See, yeah. you're, I mean, even with the even with the adults like talking about it on the news and everything, like it's it's the kind of news things that that a kid would want to hear or think he heard. But it's not like it doesn't. It has a level of heightened reality to it that doesn't seem realistic. I mean, not that anything in that seems realistic there, but it's it's heightened in that sort of childish way, that over the top, childish way. So it's the way it's the way the children yeah. are perceiving it. As like I said, that's just completely insane. That's my those are so, those, and they're both plausible enough to be good insane. I agree. Theories. I think they are. Okay. Is there anything else we want? Yes. I just wish there were of a relevant uh, film. We'd get some viral action yes. going on. Absolutely. Is there is there anything else we want to add before we close out? Um Nothing about it. Uh, I say I is I think I I have I have done enough body blows and headshots to this particular keep, keep in mind film. folks we, we were actually both yeah. of us really like Nightmare Before Christmas it's a yeah no I I, I, I quite like it I mean if I, if I had to pick and watch a Christmas movie I'd rather it be Nightmare Before Christmas than most of the others I mean the songs are like catchy in a way that doesn't like completely obliterate my ears yeah with the tinnitus um, and they're just they're just kind of fun like uh, the that Hey Mr. Sandy Claus song is just fantastic and the patter the, the the kind of like the powder talk that they have yeah. in it is is just yeah. fun. It's just stupid fun. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, the, the movie itself, it's stream. It's you can watch it on Netflix if you don't have a copy of it in your house. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a good Christmas movie, especially for people who don't like Christmas movies. It's probably one of the few that you could probably watch. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, it's also stop motion, and uh, I think both John and I have a yeah. special love for well, stop motion and- animation. So if if you want yeah, to see, absolutely. if you haven't seen absolutely. it, and you want to, and you're you're interested in watching some good stop motion, I will say this: it looks a little dated now compared to what they can do now with the stop motion. But oh yeah, like if you compare it to the like say the box Paranorman. It's an it's a night and day or paranorman. Yeah, it's it, it it's like watching. I mean, it's like what watching black and white flip. But it's st- now. it's still a, or or like watching the original Star Wars and comparing it. Yeah, to Guardians it's, it's of the still Galaxy. A, that's it's still amazing. It's still there. amazing. No, it's still it's still great. It's still it's still a lot of fun. But there's it's like watching eighty special effects versus yeah, modern special effects. Exactly. So uh, I think that's it. Um, we're, we're reaching the end of the episode. Before we ha- sign off, though, we have a bit of housekeeping to do, so to speak. First thing. Relevant to Our Interests is hosted by John Pelliston and Frank Shaw. Produced and edited by Frank Shaw. The music arranged by Frank Shaw. Scripting by John Pelliston and Frank Shaw. 
Graphic design by Frank Shaw and Nathan Newell. You can contact us at relevanttourinterests at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and what used to be Twitter. John and Frank are on many other social media platforms. Hit us up. You can listen to us everywhere you listen to podcasts.